The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. We continue to discuss the new heavens and the new earth. What does prophecy suggest they will look like? What does this mean for us now? We begin with the Bride of Christ as she is presented in the book of Revelation. Then we turn to the glory of the city, which comes from the kings of the nations, and discuss who is and who is not allowed in this city. We close by exploring the immense scale and beauty of our imaginings of the new heavens and the new earth. So let's go back to bride. The church is the bride of Christ. We saw that in Ephesians. And the city is the bride. How could both of those be true? There seems to be some kind of a union here between city and people. And let's just think about it for a minute. What do we love about cities? What? The people in them. What else? Each has its own personality. Each has its own personality. Uh, we love cities because there's Walgreens, uh, 24-hour Walgreens. Right? Why is there a 24-hour Walgreens? It's gonna be a, yeah, because there's a bunch of people that need that, right? We, we, we like uh, cities because there's a Starbucks every uh, two, 200 feet. Why is there a Starbucks to every 200 feet? There's a bunch of people and they like Starbucks, right? <coughs> there, there's people serving each other. Everywhere and and there's energy in the city, right? There's people constantly. There's constant motion of people doing things for each other. It's really cool. Why do we hate the city? It's so busy. It's so congested. The lights never go off. There's people buying drugs at three o'clock in the morning, and the lights, and then I can't see the stars. Right? Well. In this new earth, I think the picture that we're getting is somehow there's going to be a merger between what we love about cities and maybe what we love about the country, which we'll see a little bit more uh, in a minute. It's really, all I'm doing is just throwing out words. I don't even know what they mean, really. (laughs) Okay, But we're just being given a glimpse of this is something new and unbelievable. And I just, I just get real excited about this. Let's go back to Revelation 21. 22. I saw no temple in it. The Lord God Almighty and Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. So, there may be a sun and a moon. There may not. But if, if there is, it's not necessary. <coughs> If I was going to guess, I would guess there is one, sun and moon, but the city they're only for outside the city. That'd be my guess. It's only a guess. The Lamb is its light. Now, we talked about this in a previous session, that the idea that the Lamb provides the same amount of light and energy. So the sun provides all the energy, right, in the world. If you want to, if it doesn't matter what kind of energy you're talking about, it emanates from the sun. Nuclear, you know, arguably would be an exception, but you know, hydroelectric power. How does that come from the sun? What hydroelectric? Like a dam, you know, water running down a a river. Gravity, gra- well, gra- 
Gravity's the earth, though. How, but how, how, how does that impact by the sun? How did the water get up on the mountain in the first place? Yeah, it's a water cycle, which is, is the key to the water cycle is evaporation. And so the energy for the water cycle comes from the sun, the evaporative energy. How about, how about uh, oil, gas, burning oil or gas? Wood. It's a plant, right? And what do plants do? They absorb the sun energy. It's photosynthesis. What you do when you burn a plant is you're releasing the solar energy that was trapped there some, sometime in the past. Um, what, what else? Whale oil. You burn whale oil. You know, whales eat algae, and the algae is photosynthesis. It really doesn't matter what you're talking about. All the energy comes from the sun, and here we're told we've got the sun in our presence. How about geothermal? Geothermal. Where does geothermal come from? Well, I mean, there's heat within the earth, too. You think it all came from the sun? Mm, good point. That might be an exception, too. So, if we had the sun in our midst, how would we feel about that? We wouldn't. We would. We'd feel energized. Yeah, all right. We'd be fried to a crisp. Yeah, we wouldn't feel for long, right? Uh, I think all the all the Earth has to do is move toward the sun just a tiny bit, and we all burn up because it's so hot. And here you got the sun in our midst. We talked about this a little bit earlier. This clearly signals something's different, right? Light, heat, energy, all emanating from a person, and now we are enjoying it. So we're, we're, there's something really different going on here. And I put out the speculation, perhaps this is the lake of fire, that, that there's these immoral and all so forth are actually on the new earth, not allowed in the city, but they're actually, as opposed to Jesus making something that's a lake of fire, perhaps it's a direct emanation, not just, you know, in him all things consist, as someone pointed out to me after that session. But perhaps the sun is actually emanating life and energy and wonderness for those who are redeemed and perhaps some uh, quite different experience for those who are not. Just a model, just an idea. Moses was on the mountain in the presence of God. He came down blowing, you know, and I think that he was being sustained through that presence and it somehow gave him sustenance while he wasn't eating for 40 days or drinking for 40 days. Oh, that's a little yeah. of a pre- preamble of that. And when he came down, they had to had to put a veil on his face because he was uh, hurting everybody's eyes, right? Yeah, okay. Maybe so. Good thought. So the lamb is its light. Uh, now, the bummer about that is that the energy business will not have the drilling of wells involved with it. That's, what is that? Well, wormhole engineer, okay. <laughs> but... You know, what, what, what the oil business is today is a reclamation. We're in the organic recycling business. We've got old plants that are still, you know, uh, have already been mashed and cooked by the earth. So we're in the naturally occurring bio, biofuel business. And we saved the whales. You know, we did save the whales. But now we're recycling all that stuff. But we won't need a recycling operation, I don't think, in this new earth. But I'm, I'm confident there'll be plenty for us to do. Now my favorite verse is verse 24. This is the one that fires me up the most. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Now if you look up nations, it's the Greek word ethnos. And it always means, it's always translated rather, nations or Gentiles. It's basically the same thing. Ethnos, as best I can understand, it means everybody but the Jews in the, uh, in the Scripture. 
So it could include the Jewish Jews here, I don't know. But certainly we've already seen the Jewish uh, uh, manifestation in that the gates each have uh, the 12 tribes on there. So perhaps there's a, this is a particularly intended for the nations as in the, as in the Gentiles. But look what it's doing. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. The kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Now, how does a king, and let's, th- let's think about our earth now, and let's talk about not just kings, but, but uh, countries. Okay? How does a country get glory and honor in, in our world? What are some ways countries are honored or glorified? Military their military power. Okay, The ability to... Uh, the ability to uh, exert power and the ba- what is the basis of all military power? Technology, innovation, uh, the the ability to fund the military. Every military is mostly uh, dependent on how much uh, su- how the supply chain. Okay, so the ability to produce things, the industry, the level of industry. How do, how, how else does a country get glory and honor? What? Doing good for others, yes. The degree to which they serve others is is something that get, gains glory and honor. We typically don't g- give glory and honor to a country that uh, goes around crushing other other things. They get attention, but not glory and honor. Well, what other way do they get glory and honor? Athletics, Athletics yes. You know, I, I have a South African friend that told me the reason why they really finally said we'll, we'll give up on apartheid is because they were so humiliated by being left out of international uh, athletic competitions. That that's a really powerful force. That and you see people go to these like World Cup matches and things like that. They lose their minds. Sometimes they actually kill each other over it. You know. Uh, yeah, it's a big deal. What else? Anything else? Somebody think of artistic and scientific achievement. Artistic and scientific achievement. Okay, so. You know, we're just we're just trying to take what we know and port it onto what we're being told here. But it seems to me we're being given some hint that all the things that we really care about, industry and achievement and connection and um, uh, uh, rooting for each other is all still going to be there. And why would the kings bring their glory and honor into the city? Why would they do that? Cast it at the king's feet. Cast it at the king's feet? Okay, it could be because, because there's an opportunity for Jesus to, to say, hey, good job, maybe an additional uh, uh, recognition. That would be one way. What, what would be something else? Pay taxes. <laughs> no, it says there's no more sorrow or pain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it could be because um, it's an opportunity for a big uh, gathering. You know, we, one of the reasons people like Olympics is because all the nations get together and they, and they celebrate, you know. It could be something like that. Um, it, it could be that it, it, it could be most anything. But you see there's people apparently living outside the city that have access into the city. I, I don't know about you. That just gets me completely fired up. Fired up. The idea, the old, the old heaven idea, the one, the myth, mythological heaven idea, is the most awful sounding place. You know, I, I don't know. I, there's nothing left to know. I already know everything. That's a part of the mythology. 
Uh, so I don't need to think, therefore, I suppose. Uh, there's nothing to do except play harps, right? So once you kind of master the harp, you just kind of... And I'm going to sing all the time, sing the hymns. So I sing the same hymns over and over. So if you think of the radio and after you've heard it 10,000 times, you know, you just keep on saying, it's like I call it Alzheimer's Clinic. You know, the eternal Alzheimer's Clinic. You just drool all the rest of your life. That just doesn't sound interesting to me. It's a lot better than living in a pizza oven. Okay, so, so the alter- better than the alternative. But this is so much more robust than that mythology. I think the reason we were given that mythology is because it's consistent with Greek philosophy. In Greek philosophy, material is bad and spiritual is good. So material is bad, spiritual is good. And so therefore, whatever there is good forever must be spiritual somehow. It can't be material. Well, that's not biblical at all. Um, verse 27, so the kings are going to bring their glory and honor into the city. The gates are open all the time, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And this little model idea I threw out, this is kind of where I get that from, because I, when I first looked at that, coming in with my kind of heavenly mythology idea, I thought, well, who's in the new earth that can go into the city and defile it? How, how's that possible? Well, who are those people? It implies that, doesn't it? And so, so in my model, and again, it's just a model, uh, that, that Ezekiel, um, what is it, 28, I think, um, passage when it says that Satan is, it was high and he'll be brought down and the nations will walk by and say, is that the man that destroyed so many things on the earth that we were afraid of? That little thing? I kind of get the sense that one of the things that will be outside that could go into the defile but won't be allowed to will be Satan. And he'll just be out there, you know, probably railing away somehow uh, about how it wasn't his fault or something. And you'll be able to walk by and go, too bad. Now, why won't he be able to go into the city? Perhaps it's because the Lamb's light is in the city. And only those that can stand walking into the sun goes in there. Maybe that's it. doesn't tell us. I don't know why, why it is. Well, it's also says that unclean things are barred because it says only the things written in the book of life. Only the things written in the book of life can go in. And so it sounds like the gates are always open, but there's always somebody at the gates. that would, so, you know, Perhaps it is can't stand the glory of God or also the, you, know, you can't stand it and they won't let you in. Maybe there's an angel standing there, you know, whether seeing whether you have a name written on your head or not, your forehead. <laughs> Verse 22, chapter 22, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. So there's still fruit to eat. Fruit of the Month Club. The leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. So there'll still be doctors, apparently. Uh, we said we were told there's no more sickness, and now we're told that there's uh, healing. I take from this that there'll still be. We will still be. We would be mortal if not for the provision of God. How about that? We're not going to heaven to be independent of God. We're not going to heaven, the new earth. I, see, I'm so ingrained with it, even I still say it. We're not going to live in the new earth 
uh, to be and be independent from God. And we're not going to live in the new earth and be God. We're not going to know everything. We're going to know increasingly how little we know of what there is to know. The more we know, that's what we're going to do. And eternity is just going to keep opening up and opening up and opening up. And we're going to still be dependent. But the reason there's no sickness is because everything's preemptively provided. Sickness is held preemptively. So that's the way I take that. Uh, there'll be no more curse, but the throne of God and Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, etc. Now, I'm going to end by telling you a story. Some of you heard this before. But um, one of the pictures I have of how awesome this is going to be is my trip I took to Mount McKinley. So they put you on this airplane, and Mount McKinley is 21,000 feet. And this airplane flies up to 12,000 feet. And it's I, it's hard for you just have to be there. You, you need to do this someday if you can. And uh, you're five miles from the mountain. It looks like you're right on top of it because it's so huge. You're 12,000 feet up. It looks like you're at the top. There's 8,000 feet more, but it doesn't look that high because it's so huge. And as we were, as we were uh, flying around this mountain, Terry said she saw in my face something was happening to me. I was being transported. I'm telling you, I was, it was a almost uh, vision for me. Because this giant mountain, and they had told us beforehand that, you know, some, like a thousand people a year climb it or something, ten will die, you know, on, the, on a typical basis. And I, why in the world do people want to climb up on this thing? Well... I'm, I'm flying up on this mountain and this beautiful, majestic thing, and I thought, I want to be down there. I like this place. This is a cool place. I want to be on this mountain. The only problem is, what? I don't like to be cold, but I'm not going to go on this mountain because right now it's death. But it's life because the mountain's full of snow. And the snow melting and going into the rivers is what keeps us alive. That's how, that's how the water cycle works. Life comes from mountains. If you go up on the mountain, it brings death. But not in the new earth. Did you remember he said, I went up on a very high mountain and I saw the city coming down out of God? It could be the city's a mountain. With a 1,500-foot tall mountain with a 1,500-foot base. Maybe that's why he's up on the high mountain so he could see the thing. Otherwise, he would have just been done then. And maybe it's the Mount McKinley-type place, which is only four miles tall, not 1,500 miles tall. It blew me away at four miles. And maybe it's a mountain, and instead of death being there, bringing life... The river comes from the throne of God. The water cycle starts right at God. And the sun is there. And we're being nourished by the sun. And we're in this mountain. It's awesome. Mountain climbers won't have to risk their lives to get the experience that they're after for just going up to the first story of this 150-story mountain, which would be what? Mount... Uh, what is that mountain everybody climbs? Everest would be, yeah. Okay, It's going to be awesome. The new earth. What a phenomenal image that God's given us to look forward to. The point of Revelation is summed up in 22, 
um, 7, where he says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. The overcomers will have a special role and a special dispensation in this new earth. And the book of Revelation is telling us whatever pain that we endure here is more than worth it to inherit that reward. Read, hear, do. That part we know. Most of the rest of it we're just trying to grapple with something too wonderful for us to understand. Thanks God for this fantastic little picture you gave us of this awesome opportunity in front of us. And I pray that what we'll do with it is love others now. Turn our cheek now. Love our enemies now. Speak the truth in love now. Uh, be willing to engage in conflict that is in a way that honors you now. Um, have industry and serve our, with our gifts and our strengths to benefit others now. Because of these promises that you've given us. It's what's in our best interest. And ultimately, help us trust you now. Thanks, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.